Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au.
old chisel, can't stop playing. Um, well, the music goes on. Come to that in a second. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Out of the Pan with Sally, first broadcasting noon till one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. 3CR broadcasts from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and we pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge any Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander peoples tuning in and acknowledge that the lands were stolen and never ceded and that on some of the lands that make up this big island and the ones around it, there have been people here for um, tens of thousands of years, including sister girls and brother boys, and we acknowledge their contributions to diversity as well and that a lot of the language in this program is of a Western or colonial nature. If you want to get in touch with the program, there's lots of ways to do it. You can email out of the pan 855 at gmail.com. You can SMS 61456 751215. You can tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And there'll be some wrestling news today um, that fits in with the program. And you can look for posts on Facebook, Sally Goldner page and out of the pan 3CR 855 AM Melbourne. Remembering that any opinions I express on the show are my own. And I will give possible um, content warnings for um, uh, mention of um, um, topics because I'll introduce my guests in a minute and tell you why these content warnings may come up is um, that there could be mentions of biphobia, bioerasure, mental health issues, family including intimate partner violence and sexual harassment. Um, Well, two things opened up with Cold Chisel, the things I love in you, and there's going to be Lots of music from albums released on the Mushroom label. This classic Aussie rock fan has to do that in honour of the late Michael Godinsky. That's from the last wave of summer when Cold Chisel um, reformed in or regrouped in 1998 and a great album there. And we've had a, a, a request come in. It's, I, feel, I feel like um, Casey Kasem. This is a long-distance dedication. Um, Hoffler said, is it too late to request the ultimate collaboration between Jimmy Barnes and In Excess Good Times? We will play that in the next couple of weeks. There's plenty of mushroom music to play, um, so, and I'm not sure I'm going to get through my selected playlist today because we have an awesome guest as part of um, Bisexual Health Awareness Month. Um, I have on the Zoom line and tapping into the, the technology, um, the president of Bisexual Alliance Victoria, Rebecca Dominguez, declaring my interest as a committee member of BiAlliance. Rebecca, good to have you on Out of the Pan on this long weekend as part of Biohealth Awareness Month. Thank you, Sally. So lovely to be here. And hello, everybody. I'd also like to uh, acknowledge that I'm on Aboriginal land that was stolen, never ceded, and pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Thank you so much. And I will ask, um, if it's okay to ask, um, which pronouns you use, if any? I use she and her, but I really, like, if someone uses a different pronoun for me, I'm completely fine. All right. And we'll put some more volume on there. We'll get this right in the end. Um, technology stuff. Anyway, there's lots to talk about as part of Bio Health Awareness Month. And, well, um, I said I'll um, start off by saying that we have to congratulate um, WWE announcer and interviewer Kayla Braxton on coming out as bi. Well, at least I am because this sports entertainment fan will do that. Um, but, well, I suppose the unfortunate side of it, which can lead into why we need a Bio Health Awareness Month, is sadly she um, copped some stuff and deleted her Twitter account not long after doing that. And there's the possibility, I will say, in fairness, that that was biphobia. 
And I think, sadly, as much as we all want to be happy and healthy and value diversity, reality and realism say that Buy Health Awareness Month comes out in part because of biphobia. Rebecca, I think, well, take it from sadly, take it from there. All right, thanks, Sally. So I think the first thing to talk about is the size of the bisexual mm. population. Um, so we, multiple studies have um, across Australia and internationally have shown that bisexual people make up the majority. And and I'm using bisexual, but really what I should be saying is mm. bi plus or even multi-gender attracted people. So anyone who identifies as being attracted to more than one gender, um, which includes pansexual people, queer people, polysexuals, and, and lots of other labels. It's about attraction, and that can be sexual and or romantic. It doesn't necessarily have to be both mm-hmm. or at the same time or to the same degree. Yep. So so we've got um, in studies of somewhere between 3 to 11% of people identifying as bisexual. However, if we look at multi-gender attraction and people talking about who they're attracted to, it's somewhere between 9% of men and 19% of women, mm-hmm. uh, which means that there's around 2.5 million to 3 million Australians who identify as bi, bi plus or multi-gender attracted. And that's actually a fairly substantial amount of people um, in Australia who fall under this multi-gender attracted umbrella mm-hmm. so they they can they can experience some of the the health stuff that i'm um, going to be yeah. talking about next and a lot of the health stuff is not because bisexual people are intrinsic or multi-gender attracted people or mm-hmm. pansexual people are intrinsically problematic themselves it's because society is mm-hmm. quite biphobic and queerphobic and panphobic when people do not fit into neat boxes or are different in some way then society tends to make life difficult for them. Mm. I think it's really important as well to point out that one study in um, Canada identified that 25% of bisexual people identified as trans or non-binary. So there's a large number of trans Mm. and non-binary people who are multi-gender attracted. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of... um, a lot of BIPOC people, so a lot of people who are not white, um, who are, tend to identify as bisexual versus gay or lesbian as well. Mm. So bi plus multigender attracted people are more likely to belong to multiple marginalised group, yep. groups in society, and that, that compounds issues, obviously. Yeah. A few things to um, come out of just to... Um, um you know, sort of flesh out that I'm going to start, I think I probably feel I need to acknowledge my privilege as someone who is white, non-Indigenous, not that I use these words for myself, but people would reasonably see me as um, middle-class, Anglo-Saxon, that sort of thing. Also, of course, um, in terms of defining, you can, of course, have no label at all, which is perfectly fine as well. And yes, this um, bi-pan and trans woman certainly fits to that intersection from the Canadian research as well. Um, and sort of had a small inward gleeful smile um, at that. But it does bring up a really important question. And I I sometimes say this as an educator when trans, you know, the conservative estimate we've got of just the trans population, shifting onto that for a sec, just for a second, is around 1.2%. So that's 250,000 Australians. Now I'm ignoring intersectionality there. And you've just said there was, um, and what was the number of Australians you were thinking of based on that research? Um 
that could be there? It's um, between 2.5 and 3 million. Okay, so um, let's sort of you know, allow for um, intersectionality there. We're, you know, we'll talk somewhere around the 3 million mark. Obviously, I'd have to just get my Venn diagram calculator out for a second. I always say, where are all these people? You know, on both group for both groups. You know, if that's the numbers we've got, if that's the random representative samples, where are they? Which in 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 a way links into our issues of Bi Health Month that they're feeling disconnected, isolated, erased, all that sort of thing, and that can lead to these health issues. Definitely. And one of the the other things that a lot of people so try and point out as a kind of gotcha to the bi community is like, well, most of you end up in different gendered relationships, so therefore doesn't matter are you really a member of the rainbow communities because you're in a relationship with someone where it you look like you're straight or you pass as straight mm. and and that's i mean erase having to erase part of your identity or to hide part of your identity is never good for you yep. um to remain constantly in that closet is bad for you as many people who have had to do that in their lives will know Mm-hmm. And also being in a relationship with a different gendered person doesn't suddenly make change your orientation. I get that my, my relationship, if I'm in a relationship with a man who is straight and cisgender, I am still bisexual and that relationship is automatically queer because I am queer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think as Sheree Eisner pointed out today, instead of asking the question of why are so many multi-gender attracted people in relationships with different gendered people, the question should be how do those relationships work and what is the people's experience in those relationships? Mm. And we know that um, bisexual, pansexual and queer people experience greater rates of sexual assault and rape and greater rates of um, intimate partner violence than other populations. Mm -hmm. And when you... When you add, and when I say other populations, I'm generally talking about sexual orientation populations. I'm not talking about gender at this particular point because when you add those gender or even race aspects into it, those rates can increase again, Mm -hmm. um, which is a sad indictment on society as a whole across the world that there is so much sexual violence and so much intimate partner violence Mm -hmm. and it's not really acted upon. And we're coming up to... um, (laughs) Very important days for uh, women and women still and women and trans people. Mm. And I'm talking trans, the whole trans population. Yeah, um, tend to experience far greater rates of violence. Yeah, and so we we bear this extra burden. Yeah. Should just mention, if anything is distressing in the program, please talk to someone. And as much as we love all our listeners and want you to listen, if it's not comfortable for you to do that, please move away and maybe come back and listen at a time when it's more, you know, you're in a better, you know, sort of feel safer or something. Also, numbers to call, um, QLife, including Switchboard in Victoria and Tasmania, one eight hundred one eight four five two seven. And for family violence issues in Victoria, one eight hundred five four two eight four seven being the With Respect line. And, yeah, acknowledging International Women's Day tomorrow, um, and I think we I suppose the, you know, whilst we're t- um, events of the last few weeks have, a, we'll say, p- focused on heterosexual situations, we can't really ignore the proverbial 
elephant in the room at the moment that is the, um, which actually isn't fair on elephants because they're really nice, but seriously <laughs> this horrible problem that's emerging in Canberra which you know talks about violence and degradation of people. Um, so, yeah, International Women's Day tomorrow and that it's happening in a workplace. And, of course, tomorrow here in Victoria and possibly other states and territories is Labor Day and, you know, there's issues there for, for people in workplaces. But it's like... Why don't we value people? What value is there in putting people down in any way and what misusing power, which comes into so much of this? But um, And so there's lots in there um, in terms of all those intersections, but by people as well. Absolutely. And so I think I should talk about where some of this data is coming from that mm. I'm talking to. And there's in the last 12 months, three very key and important um pieces of research have come out for Australia. These three pieces are actually based in Victoria. So they do have a Victorian slant on it. Um, so the first was the health and well-being of the LGBTIQ population in Victoria, which came out of the Victorian um, government's population health survey that they run every th- three years. Mm-hmm. Um, they just did the – they did one late last year. It's a phone survey, randomly um, – it's done by a certain number of randomly selected phone numbers in local government areas. So it's a good population um, sample size, usually around 37,000 people or so. So there's a whole range of questions that they asked for that. Um, Private Lives 3, which is, um, as you can tell by the name, um, the third of a group of longitudinal studies based, done by... um, Archers and Rainbow Health Victoria, and writing themselves in four, which is talking about the health and well-being of LGBTQA plus young people in Australia. So we've got very recent, very recent, and there's some really good quality research that talks about the disparities in our communities, all, all of the rainbow communities, but I'm specifically talking about uh, multi-gender attracted people. Yeah. No, they're certainly there, and um, you know, there's. Um, I suppose there's also, you know, we could break this down a lot. And of course, everyone's, I think everyone's experiences need to be affirmed of any background. But I suppose another one that comes in is, in the past, older by people where in times that um, I know this seems incredibly quaint because we're doing this on Zoom, but there used to be no internet, so you couldn't just um, go and find a Facebook group or a local group. Um, in your you know area that supported you you know a lot of isolation um, you know at the um, bisexual alliance monthly discussion groups we've had people turn up whether they're in Zoom or it's in online or in person and they're in their fifties and go this is the first time I've re- been in a room full of largely if not totally bi people and all that sort of thing but also older people will have experienced sadly erasure and lateral hostility from elements of the um, gay and lesbian communities, for example, and um, I've been, I'm very particular about elements. There's lots of good allies out there, and I think sometimes that can be forgotten. That um, you know, people think, oh, sexual orientation-wise, in say, increasingly in Australia, oh, it's all okay now. Well, of course, we know it isn't, and so I think there's a lot of elements to speak to there as well um, in terms of those intersectionalities. Oh, definitely. I was reminded yesterday, um, someone in, in Sydney shared a copy of, I can't remember which queer press it was from at the time, 
1996, someone writing, a gay man writing um, outraged that the bi community had been banned from Mardi Gras. And Mm. a lot of people don't know that this actually happened. The Mardi Gras board in the mid-90s banned bisexual people from participating in Midsummer. And that wasn't that long ago. And... And often they tend not to talk about that and it's, you know, it's sort of brushed under the carpet as something that, you know, well, Mm. that's in the past. It wasn't, it's not that long ago that we were banned from marching and participating in an event that's meant to be for all of us. Yeah, I should just um, clarify there that Mardi Gras board board banned people from marching in Mardi Gras, not Midsummer. Oh, Mardi Gras, yeah, sorry. Um, And Midsummer and Pride March, we we do want to say, um, we'll come to that. Have been fantastic. Absolutely. After we caught biphobia at Pride March years ago, management put us up the front and it's sort of gradually faded away. And now it's wonderful to hear people going on the sidelines, there's the bike group, there's our tribe. And also great to see it for other groups um, because, of course, some bi people could be asexual. And I remember at the 2020 Pride March, um, just in front of us was the asexual group and someone in ace colours and high heels was literally jumping up and down going, there's my tribe. And I thought, don't jump too much. You might break an ankle or something. But um, you mentioned Mardi Gras, um, which um, great telepathy because I just had a um, comment on the Facebook post. Um, Will there be talk about Mardi Gras? Well, I suppose we just have. <laughs> and it was great to see a couple of pictures on Twitter of the fabulous Biconic group uh, marching last night. And I believe there was another bi group as well, um, you know, possibly. I, I didn't watch Mardi Gras last night, so I can't comment. But I, I do also want to talk about the Pride in Protest oh, yes. group that, that uh, marched. Um, they got permission from the Chief Health Officer in New South Wales to march during... Um, even though as long as they kept COVID safe, to maintain the the spirit of protest that Mardi mm. Gras started with. Um, and they were, they were protesting for many things, um, including obviously the, the the rights of our communities, the um, against the Religious Freedom Bill that keeps raising its ugly head in mm-hmm. Commonwealth Government, against... Um, Mr. Latham's private bill that would ban people talking about transgender children and the transgender experiences as a whole in schools, mm-hmm. um, black deaths in custody, Black Lives Matter movement, a whole range of things. Mm. And that went really well yesterday. And I'm very proud of um, all of the people who participated in keeping the event safe and, and marching. It seemed like it was a really big crowd too. It did. I caught little bits, but I had a bit of trouble streaming it live, and I hope there is a full um, recording of it to go up somewhere later on. Um, But what I saw, it did seem like it was pretty big for the so-called, in inverted commas, alternative march. And in terms of alternative commas, you could say the same for religious discrimination bill or use the sick after it. Um, And also... I was in a bit of a niggly mood a few weeks ago and I saw a Mardi Gras event advertised about how inclusive are our communities and I tweeted back at it. um, So how how inclusive is Mardi Gras and bisexuals? Will it apologise? Oh, well, look, you've got this group marching in Mardi Gras. Not the point. And they said, oh, well, we'll look into an apology. Gee, I'm not holding my breath and I'm still waiting about three weeks on. But I suppose they've been busy organising dance parties and biodegradable glitter or something. So, look, Mardi Gras um, hasn't been great for bi people either, coming um, no. not helping our health. No, it hasn't. And, and you know, when you talk about intersections um, as well, 
uh, I do remember talking to some sex workers from Scarlet mm. Alliance who were talking about how when they wanted to march in Mardi Gras, they were they were basically quizzed on their um, their attraction to people and asked which of the LGBTIQ letters did they fall under, and they basically were they felt like they were going to have to justify every single person marching with them mm. because, well, obviously sex workers must all be straight or something. And it was just, you know, gross um, sex worker phobia as well. It's it's not, unfortunately, historically Mardi Gras may have started out as a very inclusive protest movement, but has gotten very narrow at mm. various points about who is and who is not acceptable. Well, yeah, there is a lot of debate that it's become a sort of corporate dance party um, organisation rather than a protest movement. And also want to give a mention to Vixen Collective, Victoria's peer-based sex worker organisation, who you can contact for um, support and issues around that. And they have done research which found two-thirds of sex workers identify as, I'll say, LGBTQ would would probably be a reasonable approach, or I'll say plus. Um, I'm not so sure. I'm careful there about intersex and possibly asexual. Um, as well, uh, but um, could be aromantic, so not sure. But So that's why I'm just a little um, particular about which acronym I'm going to use there. But in the point, bottom line is let's just go with queer, I think, there. So, yeah, um, you know, there's all these intersections that have not been brought along. And, you know, at times um, there has been this, you know, sort of and like you've just demonstrated, this sense of betrayal, which, you know, hurts um, by and all the intersections and you know, um, damages that by uh, by health, uh, as per that, um, you know, some of the research you've found. What are the, um, we'll say, outcomes or, well, is it um, symptoms or resulting outcomes, you know, I suppose might be words that can be used when that health is damaged in terms of mental and physical health and acknowledging any content warnings for this topic? Well, there's a lot. So, so multi-gender attracted people, using the broadest umbrella term, generally have a high level of mental distress mm-hmm. um, and that's been found through multiple studies around the world, not just in Australia, but it's, it's a repeating pattern. Um, so generally depression, anxiety, eating disorders and PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and that then obviously flows on to the fact that there's also high levels of suicidality, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not going to go into, but it's just Mm. That, that is something that um, also occurs in the multi-gender um, attracted community. You have, we have, as a coping mechanism, so um, high levels of alcohol and other drug use. Mm-hmm. So that's self-medicating, attempting to deal with the pain of biphobia, um, and that completely makes sense for a co- as a coping mechanism because alcohol and other drugs generally tend to make you feel better even if it is short term. And in physical health, and this this actually this bit of research um, surprised me that people who are multigender attracted are at greater risk of a range of um, certain illnesses than than heterosexual people, and so things like arthritis and diabetes and um, hypertension and some heart diseases and and if you think about the fact that it's ongoing stress mm. to the body is bad for you it's not that surprising when you actually sit down and think about it but you generally don't go 
what is the likely outcome of this on my physical body versus yeah. my mental health. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it does sort of, well, sadly flow through in that um, if you are struggling with mental health, you run down, you're tired, um, you know, it can affect the body. If you're a holistic health type of person, it can all link together. Um, and then if you drink, then possibly you're not going to eat as many healthy foods. If you're, sadly, there's another aspect. If we're talking Labor Day tomorrow, if you're facing the stress of not being out at work or worse, facing discrimination or vilification or sexual harassment as a by, as a by person, but I might say particularly possibly as a by woman, given that it's International Women's Day, all these things, you know, can lead to a rundown in mental health, rundown in physical health, a sort of sad downward spiral. And so, you know, it's almost, it is, I have to say I'm feeling a little heavy having to talk about all this, but it's reality and we will, you know, try to get to what we need, what we can do and what we need to have more of before we get to the end of the program. So, yeah, there's a lot that we need to consider there. Absolutely. And I think, I think having an awareness that the, that biphobia and your natural reaction to it impacts more than just your your mental health can help people find ways to manage both physical and mental health. However, you shouldn't have to manage biphobia. Biphobia just shouldn't exist. Um, mm. It's unfortunately in this world we, we have to manage with biphobia and transphobia and homophobia intersexism and all these things that mm. just pile on the shoulders of people and you add racism or, you know, people who just are very ableist around disabled people. And so mm -hmm. many different layers tend to just pile up and make life much harder for minority groups than it should be. Well, absolutely. And I'm, I'm you know, gosh, I was actually about to mention disability phobia, um, including um, neurophobia. And yeah, um, every form of, whether we call it discrimination, vilification, harassment, um, family violence, any form of misuse of power, I suppose, could be one way to describe it, or any violation. You know, it just doesn't add value. It's destructive. And we yes, we need to get rid of everyone. Um, but again, our focus obviously for this discussion the center of our intersection is if i can use that term today is um, bisexuality and um, what um, needs to happen i reckon we might just have a um, little music and message break just for a few minutes to give ourselves a breather and see where we go from there so i'm um, continuing with our line of mushroom music um, here's paul kelly from the big breakthrough album of 1985 and that was, of course, um, um, with the band that became later The Messages, although it had a na another name earlier. And he's one of the big hits, Darling, It Hurts. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Rebecca Dominguez from Bisexual Alliance, Victoria, um, discussing Bisexual Health Awareness Month. <laughs> Yeah. 
know, there's people, like you said, have been on casual for seven years. Well, it's supposed to be casual employment. People want full-time jobs. They don't want to be sitting there casual, not knowing they're going to get any any days, any leave or what's, whatsoever. Especially, you look at all the casuals in the, our industry at the moment, they're sitting home. You know, people want full-time employment and they, sh- they should be entitled to That's full-time right. employment. And look at all the people who were used and abused as casuals in the aged care sector and all the problems that are facing people now and all the deaths that are following. And the meatworks, a lot of that's casuals, labour hire, you know, you've got blokes travelling around, you know. We want full-time positions and, you know, that's... And people want it. We want to be full-time employed. You want to have your Christmas holidays. You want to have time with your family. But when you're a casual, you get none of that. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. Community Radio. 855. I am. I'll start that again. 3CR.org.au, um, um, 3CR Digital, 3CR On Demand, and um, 3CR 855 AM, Out of the Pan with Sally, first broadcasting noon to one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. Um, just heard from Paul Kelly, Darling It Hurts, um, and um, from the um, original Gossip album and part of our Mushroom Music um, tribute that I'll be running today and possibly for another couple of weeks um, in honour of Michael Gadinsky. And, well, Darling It Hurts, um, you know, it could be a song about sex workers. It could, maybe it's a song about kink. And, of course, some by people are um, essentially into BDSM as well, which is their, their call. Um, but there's all sorts of intersectionalities in bisexuality, but all need to be brought along. And we wanted to sort of um, talk a little about that and what, um, can, what, what can be done and is being done now, but what more needs to be done and where things perhaps um, you know, are falling short. Uh, and we being my, myself and my guest, Rebecca Dominguez, president of Bisexual Alliance, she, her pronouns. Rebecca, back to you. Well, thank you. So we talked a little bit about the research that, you know, and I summarised some of the research in relation to the poor health outcomes for multigender attracted people. And so I think it's also good to talk about some of the solutions. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of research, but not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So there's not many programs that are specifically funded. And this, again, is a global problem. It's not an Australian problem. It is a pro- problem replicated around the world that research comes out pointing out by health disparities, but not providing funding or programs specifically to address those. There seems to be this overall attitude that um, multi-gender attracted people will be picked up by the mainstream or programs or will fit under programs that are specifically tailored for gay and lesbian people. Mm -hmm. There are very few and close close to none by specific programmed um, program, sorry, that are tailored for our community. And so money would be a great start to try and look at some of these health issues. Um, 
so that we can address them as a society to to fund whatever needs to be funded to to reduce the the issues um and that can that can happen in multiple ways the obviously the um bisexual pansexual community groups need to be involved in the design and rollout of these programs but they don't necessarily have to be fully run by organizations who are represent the bi and or pan communities like Bi-Alliance Victorian or Bi-Alliance Victoria or the Melbourne Bisexual Network. They can be run in conjunction with or even by other organisations, whether they be mainstream or rainbow, provided that the design of those programs involves the, the multi-gender attractive community. Really needs to, to make sure it's effective and tailored, you need to make sure you're, you're designing with the communities that you're attempting to reach. Mm. And then that doesn't happen anywhere near as much as it should, um, which is why I have had researchers who are trying to survey communities come to me and go, I we're not getting enough multi-gender attracted people. Can you, can you help spread the news? And I'm like, obviously you haven't actually talked about with the multi-gender attracted community about how you would find how you would find people. Are your questions even appropriate in mm. the in your research gathering and stuff? And some of the answers, sometimes the answer to that is very much a no. Yeah. So yes, money. Money is always a good start, and there is there is a lot of money that goes into rainbow health as a, a very broad term, and a lot. It needs to, it needs to be reconsidered in a who are you trying to help, um, and who is missing out on that help. Because obviously, parts of the community are missing out on that health, as as we can see from the research. One program that the um, Bylines Victoria with Drummond Street Services and Melbourne Bisexual Network were running was the By Five project, which is currently unfunded. The state government had funded it. We did the first year as a project. Then COVID happened, and hopefully, will be funded out of the budget this year mm -hmm. and that was actually an audit tool for organizations to look at how by and multi-gender attracted inclusive uh, inclusive they were did how did staff feel safe in coming out did uh were their clients fit um provide a safe environment to come out as multi-gender attracted and obviously the, the aim of it is to say this organisation is is multi-gender attracted friendly. Please, you know, broader community feel safe in going and utilising their services or working there or how, whatever that that organisation does, be involved with them. Um, and that's one of the few programs in the world that was actually funded by government to look at the, the health and well-being of multi-gender attracted people. Mm. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a huge issue that um, you know there isn't this um, specific um, you know sort of targeted approach for or include and inclusive approach for um, the bi community as you, as you said earlier. Given that we are the biggest sexuality um, you know attraction to more than one gender, um, you know in the rainbow communities, and sometimes in research if we're uncovering. The whole community, it almost feels like in some age groups, um, close to rivaling the numbers of heterosexuals uh, because, you know, we have on the positive side seen as 
in some countries, as there's been progress, um, you know, younger people happily are being able to be certainly more their authentic self in sexuality, so we can't just ignore this. But um, if um, I use the term broader community organisations want to do something with the BiPlus communities, um, you touched on this a little, but what would be sort of some tips, um, apart from just obviously working with BiPlus people as equals, let's just flesh that out a bit more. I think employing people who are multi-gender attracted to, particularly if we're talking about developing programs for or even um, doing further research about specific issues to sort of narrow down why, mm. the whys of issues. We know what the issues are. We just need to know why some of them exist. Mm-hmm. Um, to make sure that you have people on the project teams who have lived experience of being multi-gender attracted and um, understand the issues that multi-gender attracted community faces. Obviously, no one can be across everything, but having someone who's across most things is better than having nobody who's across there and just mm-hmm. not involving us at all. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, consulting with the community as much as you can. You can. I recall a survey that was produced by one of the AIDS councils um, Mm. about that initially had been targeting the uh, targeting lesbian women in the workplace. Then someone, one of their stakeholders, said, "No, no, no. We need to also ask questions about bisexual women." And so, one of the questions in the survey ended up being, "Are you? Do you feel safe coming out as a lesbian in your workplace?" To which I obviously answered no when I filled in this survey because I'm not a lesbian. Mm. However, that poor design massively skewed their results. So how reliable is that study um, to talk about the experiences of lesbian and bi women in the workplace when the survey design was so poor? And that's because they didn't engage – well, if they did engage, they did not engage well enough or early enough the – Bi-plus community to to basically provide advice yeah. and also pay us when we provide you with advice. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, have, we have bills to pay too. Particularly if you are a funded organisation um, and, and, or you have even a, a, pro, a project budget, um, this idea, oh, we didn't put it in the budget. Well, um, as an accountant who studied accounting and remembers about, well, you know, first year, you have a budget, you have an actual, and sometimes there's a variance. Well, you might have to just trim some expenditure somewhere else to pay people for a little bit of time for their lived expertise. Thank you very much, um, umpire. Um, so, yeah, very, very much so. And, of course, you know, by people are sadly um, often underemployed and unemployed. Um, and we have, you know, this evidence that by people, particularly um, cisgender by men, are less likely to be out in their um, sort of, well, I'll use the term corporate workplaces as well, um, which can add that layer of stress. So there's all those factors. And, of course, if there's in that income distribution type of factor as well. So, yeah. I uh, also want to mention other supports out there. Hello to BiPlus Community of WA, um, who um, it's one of those, um, and their wonderful Sunday morning cuppers, which sometimes, um, depending on the time zone we're in, we're currently... In, in the east, we're in, in more Melbourne and some of the eastern states, we're in summertime. But sometimes in um, regular time, we get to, I get to go to those on um, a Sunday morning, which is wonderful. Um, 
and also great groups, um, Sydney Buy Network, Brisbane Buy Network, and we do have um, around the country contacts in South Australia and now at least one person in the Northern Territory um, who we can put people in touch with, and I do know personally of a couple of buy people in Tasmania. Hello to those on the Apple the Apple Isle um, and um, all that sort of thing. So it is really important that um, you know we, we sort of have that connection, and I suppose it's a good time um, declaring the interest to mention the monthly um, Buy Alliance discussion group on the fourth Tuesday of most months of the year, barring um, public holidays and other things, and in other other days where it needs to be moved. So there are some you know some things we can do. Uh, just while I've been talking, any other ideas come to mind on what ally people who want to be good allies can do? I think one of the best things to do is to indicate that you support the bike community. If people know that the people around them are positive towards multi-gender attracted people, they're more likely to come out because they will feel safe. It's about making and creating safe environments. So that includes speaking up against any sort of biphobia or bi-erasure. If people say, oh, you know, it's just a phase, just reply, no, it's not because Mm. it really isn't. Um, And particularly, as Sally mentioned, with bi men being the least likely to come out in, in corporate workplaces, a lot of that is because people tell men that if you are attracted to other men, you obviously are gay and there is no other option, and which is rubbish as well because um, bi men do exist and they're fantastic people. So, you know, if you hear that sort of stuff, that any sort of negative stereotypes about mm. multi-gender attracted people speak up and say no. And that way people will know that you are supportive and someone they can they could come out to. And coming out is a protective factor for um, people when they can come out in a safe environment. If they cannot come out in a safe environment and they're forced to be out, then it's not a protective factor at all. But it's a protective factor when you can come out in a safe environment. So creating those safe environments so that people can come out and they can be there and authentic and self. They can bring all of themselves to work or to the sporting club or to church or whatever. That is really important. Well, absolutely. And I mean, there's a couple of other one things that people can do is, um, say, if you're a health service, you could acknowledge um, hashtag by health month, um, both on social media, but also doing something else. Um, there's still 24 days to have an event. Um, and of course, um, um, leading up um, at the end of the month, if you want to be intersectional, you can do that in, con- um, in conjunction with Trans Day of Visibility on the 31st of March. And you can support 3CR, who are having our Binary Busters broadcast from 12 till 7 on Sunday the 21st, two weeks from today. And, of course, you could, um, if you want to do something that really needs planning, start planning something for 23rd of September or thereabouts in um, around Celebrate Bisexuality Day. They are really good days to communicate your support. But, of course, the thing with, um, yes, you can have a day or something, but make sure that you uh, do all the work um, and align your we'll say values and behaviours, so to speak, as well. And there's nothing... There's, it's actually, I think, sometimes a bit worse where an organisation puts itself as rainbow or bi or trans-inclusive 
um, you know, and using Mardi Gras as the obvious. Yes, we've marched in Mardi Gras and I ring up and I'm having a croaky voice. Yes, good morning, sir. How are you? <laughs> that sort of thing um, as a trans person, but also, you know, buy, buy stuff. Oh, well, we, we marched in Mardi Gras, but, um, you know, um, are you gay or, gay or heterosexual? That sort of thing. So, yeah, we've got to do the work as well. Um, yeah, so lots of other thoughts. Um, well, any other um, thoughts? Um, I might just play a couple of quick messages um, while we I give you a chance to have a thought and then we'll better wrap it up and um, be ready um, for Freedom of Species at 1 o'clock. So I'll just do a couple of quick messages and um, then we'll come, be, come back and wrap up the conversation with Rebecca Dominguez, President of Bisexual Alliance Victoria on Out of the Pan on 3CR 855 AM digital 3cr.org.au 3cr on demand out of the pan with sally yarrabug radio 10 to 10 30 every monday morning on 3cr community radio all things to do with cycling in yarra region and around melbourne listen in We've got a common enemy. The same government that locks up these refugees just behind us here at the Park Hotel is the same government that's going for our rights, trying to attack the very limited gains that casuals have. And so when union activists take up the cause of refugees amongst their fellow workers, it's not an act of charity. It's about building workers' united self-defence mechanism, understanding that we're all part of the same battle. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 3CR855am3crdigital3cr.org.au and 3CR on demand out of the pan with Sally um which first broadcast noon to 1 Australian um eastern time um currently summer time here in the state of Victoria Australia um and will be for a few more weeks until we go back to standard time um and um yeah there's another group that um well they, you know is another intersection which granted is beyond our lived expertise, but um, issues of buy and well, I think queer refugees, which um, are documented on shows on 3CR, like Refugee Radio and other queer shows, but um, certainly need our support and um, can possibly, you know, given the poor record in this um, so-called country of um, refu- queer refugee treatment, and someone who's bi would just be probably told, well, why can't you pretend to be heterosexual or something, which is the sort of thing we know we've heard, but that's um, obviously other, that is other people's experiences um, beyond that. Um, before we go, we just wanted to do one other thing. Yes, I would particularly like to thank all the pioneers, all the people who came before us doing bioactivism in Australia and that have basically you know, helped us be where we are today. There's been some fantastic work done by different community groups around Australia. There was a huge political scene in the late 90s and early 2000s, multiple conferences were run um, 
it was, sounds like an absolutely amazing time to have been a bioactivist. And it is it, it is thanks to them that we 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 are where we at, are at today. And, and there's still a long way to go, but they definitely laid the foundations for us. Absolutely. We stand on the shoulders of Biance and um, we need to acknowledge that and plenty of others around the world too. Um, you know, some we've, we're fortunate pre-COVID to have a couple of those um, you know, be here in person, which was so awesome and give that sense of connection and a big um, sort of by five to all of them and all the pioneers um, around the world. Um, I better let um, wrap it up there because we're you know sort of being to run um, towards the end of time. Rebecca, absolutely huge to have you on the show. Um, I think you know I think that for all we've discussed and these are real issues that need affirming. I do feel like we are. I use the analogy of a semi semi trailer turning a corner. We're sort of gradually getting onto the right road, but there's still lots of stuff to to come to follow. But thank you for your time on the show today. Uh, as part of a well, what is a long weekend here in metropolitan Melbourne. And, um, yeah, um, we'll catch you around the Bioawareness Month traps. Thanks, Thanks Sally. Thanks, Rebecca. Um, and, um, yeah, I better get out of here um, very quickly, have a little today, more mushroom stuff, hunters and collectors from the Human Frailty album. Let's have a bit of the track this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan on this afternoon. Freedom of Species coming up next. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week.
stranded and dispossessed Full of fear and trembling for her 